You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? It is the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you a little bit of a different time. Getting a live show out of the way for you, but uh, coming at you because there's been some news as of late yesterday, late Wednesday, um, or late Tuesday. Is today Wednesday? Gosh, I forget. Um, Thursday, I think. Regardless, Thursday. Yeah, good Lord. Um, late Wednesday. That's 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 how my week's been going, John Sheeran. Uh there's some news as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals, and we're going to talk about some of that. I'm Anthony. He's John. John, how are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, it's been really, really ugly in Cincinnati. I don't know if that's um, – I don't know if Brian Callahan took all the good weather down <laughs> south of the Mason-Dixon line, but hopefully – you know, I mean, it's late January. You know, This is pretty much uh, par for the course, but hoping for some sun here pretty soon. You, you must have brought that – since he weathered to, to SoCal, my man, we've had cold mm. and rain, and uh, it is fine. We're supposed to have nice weather this weekend, though. We'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But we ain't here to talk about the weather, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to talk about some football, talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. If you are new here, welcome. We are a show that's been around for a little while now, and we talk some Bengals. We try and do multiple shows a week, if not at least one on this respective channel and you can if, if you like the video side of things you can subscribe to our youtube channel underneath john by the cincy jungle icon there is an orange and black insider show icon click that click the subscribe button click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available if you like a whole different array of Bengals podcasts on one channel through your favorite audio streamer go find the cincy jungle podcast channel you will get our show you will get Talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. You will get coach speak and chalk talk with the coach Matt Minnick and three and out with Jason and Kevin all on one channel for you. And we are giving you numerous episodes per week on all of those different programs. So three and out is on the orange and black insider YouTube channel. And Jim has his own YouTube channel. So go search that out as well, but uh, subscribe where you can, how you can. We appreciate the support as we talked about last week there were some rumblings there's a lot of interest around brian callahan 
as a, a head coaching candidate. He had basically four teams interested in him. And there has been a match. I don't know if it's made in heaven, John, but there is a match that has been connected there between Callahan and one of those four, and that is the Tennessee Titans, a team in which Callahan and the Bengals have been very familiar with over the past couple of years because they've played them so frequently. Now Callahan has a chance to go over there. There are a number of different quarterback options there. One of the most intriguing and probably the starter for the foreseeable future, Will Levis. We'll see if the Titans invest in another quarterback for him. But, uh, you know, a solid a, a team that has been solid, really, except for this last year. And he goes into a pretty good situation and, you know, has, a, has an opportunity to prove himself over there. I mean, it's been solid, I think, mainly because of the head coach that Callahan is replacing, right? I think Mike Vrabel's firing was arguably the most surprising out of any of them. Like, I, I think we all kind of expected this to be Belichick's last year, and maybe the, maybe the Pete Carroll one kind of rivals it, but the yeah. stability and the consistency that Mike Vrabel brought to the Titans organization, like, he elevated that roster, I think. And it was no more evident than in 2021 when he won Coach of the Year. The Titans were the one seed, and who else but the Bengals rolls into Nashville and, and beats them. Now, obviously, like you said, you know the Titans had familiarity with the Bengals under, you know, when Callahan was the offensive coordinator. It wasn't necessarily the Bengals' offense that really made an impression on the Titans. It was more of Luton Rumo's defense maybe in those two wins. And obviously we saw, you know, the, what, the, what happened with the most recent meeting when you had a, a hobbling Joe Burrow out there scoring three points. But obviously very familiar with him and, and playing against him. And it, it says a lot that they didn't let him leave the building, essentially. We, we hear about this all the time in free agency, at least back in the day when, you know, free agents actually made – you know, in-person visits to these teams when, you know, free agency begins. And it's like, don't let them leave the building. Like the whole L. Collins thing, don't let them leave Kenwood, right? So Brian Callahan had another <laughs> interview with the Panthers and the Titans like, nah, we, we want you. Like it was the second time that he, that he was talking with them and they didn't let him leave the building. So he's the new head coach with the Titans. Um, obviously, like you said, Will Levis is there. He's entering his second year. He showed some promise as a rookie. And the reason why Callahan... And a lot of other coaches like him are getting these jobs is because it's been the same thing for years now. It's trying to maximize quarterback play. It's trying to get match the level of the other top teams in the NFL with their elite quarterbacks. And whether that is with Will Levis or a quarterback in the future, Callahan's going to get his chance to you know make make an impression. Interesting time in Titans history too, because number one, not only are they trying to figure out quarterback stuff. Um, Derek Henry, their star running back, who has been a major key to their success, is looking at uh, potentially going elsewhere this this next year. And then the Titans also, they've got some talented players. Danico Autry is is one of them that's hitting for, set to hit free agency too. So they may have a little roster turnover here. What do you think? And we'll we'll get to the Bengals' uh, replacement for Callahan in just a second and what that means for the Bengals. But what do you think? As you as you've perceived Callahan's strengths with the Bengals and as you know an offensive coordinator with the team, what do you think? How do you think that carries over specifically to the Titans? What what I guess what major benefits based on what you've seen from the Titans, what Callahan brings to the table as opposed to a Vrabel? I mean, what just the offensive mindedness in general, um, as opposed to, to Vrabel in that approach, or maybe opening up the offensive playbook a little bit more? What what are you kind of seeing as the big benefits for the Titans with this hire. Well, it is a good point that you bring up about, you know, some players, some mainstays of the team kind of potentially leaving uh, the building. Like, I don't think we, we 
I think we assume that Derrick Henry is going to be on a new team. So it's, it's, it is a new era for that team. But I think the, you know, one of the main positives that Vrabel brought to them is that he connected with players really well and players really, you know, gave their all for him. And we don't really, again, like Brian Callahan has been offense coordinator for five years, but the things that we've heard about him, you know, as people who cover the Bengals more than just any of the national media folks is that it's more or less the same thing. Now it's a different dynamic when it's the offensive coordinator compared to the head coach, but there's a reason why I think Callahan was voted amongst the, the top five best or most popular among players, the offensive coordinators in the league. I think he connects with players in a very real and genuine down to earth way. And that's very evident every time that we've ever heard him speak, whether it's on the Lockdown Bengals podcast where he's talking with Dave Lapham, whether he's on, you know, whoever puts a microphone in front of his face. There's not a, a ton of opportunities for Bengals assistant coaches to really get their name out there and, and to speak on some of these things. And whenever we heard Callahan talk, I think it's very easy to connect with them. And I think all the things that we've heard is that, you know, the players kind of agree. So I think the Titans, um, having had success with Mike Vrabel, in that style of coaching, that style of leadership, I think that's something that can definitely translate. But obviously, like Callahan having the offensive background and and just growing up as the son of a head coach, he's had a head, he's had his eyes on a playbook ever since he probably could could walk in and read. So, like, there's definite experience aside from the fact that he hasn't really called plays. I think since high school when he was out in California um, before he even got to the to the college ranks or in the NFL ranks. So, but obviously, he's worked with a plethora of quarterbacks over his years as a quarterbacks coach and as an offensive coordinator. And even if he didn't call plays in Cincinnati, the the main, you know, voice aside from Zach Taylor and putting the weekly game plans together. And obviously he had a voice in the headset. It was just happened to be Zach Taylor actually saying the words that end up, you know, being the play call that go into Joe Burrow's helmet. So all those qualifications make him, you know, great for this job at Tennessee. And I think, you know, the Titans, again, having a solid head coach and knowing what to look for, I think it gave them a, a lot of green lights for Callahan as well. Well, congratulations to him. Well-deserved in a lot of different respects and a lot of successes from Bengals quarterbacks and the offense and as a team over the last, you know, a couple of seasons here last year. I mean, I, I guess it is withstanding, maybe not withstanding in some respects as well, but uh, really, I mean, this was, this was kind of a deserved thing for Callahan. And this has been something that's been building over the course of a, a couple of off seasons went kind of deep into the process last year. Bengals were able to kind of retain both of their coordinators. I, I think had interviews last year for head coaching jobs were able to retain both not the case this year. And Anarumo didn't get the same love this year for head coaching gigs as he did the year prior. His unit didn't perform as well this year as it has in prior years for a number of different reasons, but Callahan moves on to Tennessee. I believe the Bengals play the Titans again next they year. Do. Is that correct? Yeah. So that will, you know, that will be an interesting matchup for sure there. And the corresponding move on the Bengals side of things was a pretty predictable one. John, you, you made a couple of nice predictions last week or a couple of nice earmarkings for possible replacements in-house and outside of the organization for the offensive coordinator spot. And of course, one of those names and one that we all kind of assumed would be kind of the first in line for a variety of reasons. Dan Pitcher gets promoted to the offensive coordinator position. The guy who's been a quarterback's coach, um, oddly enough, a guy that I, I think was a Marvin Lewis bring over uh, from, from a while ago and a holdover. And he's kind of been the guy behind the guy behind the guys, so to speak. He has been the, the behind the scenes guy doing a lot of different, 
um, work. And, uh, you know, the players have spoken highly of him. The coaching staff has spoken highly of him in the past. And his time as an offensive coordinator, whether it was going to be with Cincinnati or not, was probably coming up pretty soon regardless. Um, he was one of those guys that just, you know, NFL circles highly regard him. And so now he is the Bengals offensive coordinator, probably the most predictable move that they could have made here. And the one that makes is the most logical because this is an organization. This is an offensive system that likes to keep its its crew together, its groups together. We have seen this before when the Bengals have had coordinators have gone elsewhere we mentioned it last week, you know, when Zimmer was gone, it was Gunther, that was the next man up, and then it was Gruden, then it was Hugh Jackson, and, you know, it just kind of went down the line there to kind of keep the momentum that they had built on respective sides of the ball going, and that seems to be the case here as well with Pitcher taking over for Callahan. I mean, like you said, like there's a there's a history and a precedent here that's interesting to me because when Hugh Jackson left to become the Cleveland Browns head coach, he was replaced by the quarterback's coach in Kansas and Peasy. Zampisi didn't work out. Uh, he only lasted like 17 or 18 games. He got fired in the middle of the 2017 season. Replacing Zampisi was Bill Lazor. And then, obviously, when Zach yep. Taylor took over, he hired a quarterbacks coach in Brian Callahan. So now we have, I think, four straight former quarterbacks coaches or predominantly quarterbacks coaches becoming the Bengals' offense coordinator since that run of Jay Gruden and Hugh Jackson, which, which they had pretty good success under. So, yes, this was the expected plan. Quarterbacks coach was his official title, but I think um, – Again, there's not there's a lot of ambiguity in terms of what Bengals assistants under Zach Taylor what the responsibilities are. We've learned some we learned some information over the years, like Troy Walters is the red zone guy. Dan Pitcher specifically has been their third down guy. He started off like with a lot of uh, game management and uh, uh, clock uh, management um, responsibilities. Yeah, I think yeah. when he was first elevated in like 2019 off of like an assistant's role. Uh, so he's had like a hand in a lot of these important decisions, and specifically with third down, like that's a huge part of the offensive game plan and, and just in-game decision-making because it's it's the money down, obviously. So he's had a lot of other work aside from just being in the quarterback's meeting room. But obviously, working with Joe Burrow and keeping that relationship intact, it, it's a big reason why this hire was made. And it's also a big reason why Dan Pitcher stuck around. He had his introductory press conference with the Bengals uh, Thursday morning, and he had something to say about um, if sticking with Burrow and continuing that relationship factored into this. And he said, quote, there's a lot of people in this profession that I respect who have great perspective, who have reached out to me, and almost to a person, their advice is, when you have an elite quarterback, you hang on as long as you can, and we have that here. <laughs> so obviously, the other opportunities were the New Orleans Saints, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the New England Patriots. I know at least the Patriots, and I think the Raiders as well, both offered him play-calling duties. Obviously, like their head coaches aren't really offensive guys uh, out in those cities. So he, that was the leverage of the negotiations to go elsewhere. But also, if you take play calling duties with other teams, you potentially sacrifice which quarterback is executing those play calls. So I think a lot of Twitter and a lot of Bengals fans kind of assumed this was going to be the thing that kept Pitcher in Cincinnati and ended up being a strong driving force there. Yeah, and for him too. I mean, if he's thinking long term, you know, another, I mean, I don't know, there's not many other offensive coordinator jobs because of who the quarterback is in the NFL, that would be more high profile than this. But if he were to take another high profile offensive coordinator job, kind of like a little bit what the enemy did in the, in the respect of, okay, now I'm calling plays type of thing, as opposed to not calling plays somewhere else. Or if the, you know, obviously his sites, I'm, I assume are probably to be a head coach at some point down the line he is setting himself up to be more successful 
more quickly with a quarterback like Joe Burrow in his back pocket, as opposed to some of those other destinations that you mentioned right there. So, I mean, yes, it's about the team. It's about Joe Burrow. It's about, you know, success of the Bengals, but it also, I think it sets himself up professionally well down the road as well, going this route, even if the responsibilities may be quote unquote less because of the play calls and whatnot. Um, the, the, the thing I want to kind of talk about for a few minutes here, John, with, with pitcher, being the offensive coordinator is what areas you would like to see improved with him at the helm of the offense and, or what you think he could improve the most uh, on, on the offense based on his skill set. But one of the things that stuck out to me, I think Zach Taylor was on with uh, Dave Lapham potentially recently. And uh, he kind of said something to the effect. I think, I think Lapham had asked him something to the effect of, you know, Bengals not working under center with Burrow and all that kind of thing. And and I think Zach's response was, well, uh, essentially we couldn't in the first part of the season. You saw a bit more of that when he was healthier. And so, you know, he kind of said that was more or less kind of a false narrative. And, you know, basically they're going to work to do more of that, what we saw in the middle of the season as opposed to the beginning of the season, more mixed looks, shotgun and under center type of stuff. So I think that for me, as I sit here, that is my hope as to build more upon that because you saw how hyper successful and efficient this offense was in that stretch when Burrow was finally healthy and they were able to mix up their looks more. We just didn't see the full sample size because Burrow got hurt and all kinds of different things. But my my hope, I think, is, yeah, I mean, we could talk about run game and all that kind of, kind of thing, but I think all of that stems out of the ability – to give multiple looks and be effective out of multiple looks on offense. And so I hope, of course, Burrow being healthy for a whole season, that sort of thing comes with that. But that's my hope with him as an offensive coordinator, that they continue to build on that and improve upon that with him at the helm. Yeah, it's the clear answer, and you said it well. And I think this also ties into something that we got in our chat uh, from Jeremiah Woosley from Facebook. He said Zach Taylor will still call plays. Um, it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. <laughs> This is just lazy. Like it, it's it's not it's not that clear cut and dry. It's not just Zach um, having total autonomy in terms of what is happening. We just mentioned like there are different specific in game duties that he has his assistants have, and now I'm interested to see who kind of takes over for what Pitcher was doing as the quarterbacks coach and who's going yeah. to overtake that right. But I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head, and I think it matters that it is someone in this position that Burrow has a working and productive relationship with because in order to you know actually materialize those evolutions it has to be you agree know, it has to be coming from someone that burrow i think trusts as well and i think having this relationship already established then we can see some of these changes and these evolutions kind of materialize because it's coming from someone that understands him someone who knows his strengths and his weaknesses someone that he can, that he can communicate with well so in order to get burrow to go along with some of the changes that the offense needs because again like these are things that are we, we saw in a pinch because burrow was only able to do them for a short period of time because he was healthy and we can assume that some of these changes would have been pretty full or pretty wholesale had he been healthy the entire season so this is still mainly just in theory but it's still a lot of things that Burrow hasn't normally done or maybe he's not really comfortable doing because it's not going back to what they did in LSU when he was just basically 11 personnel spread out shotgun right and that's what the offense has mainly evolved to do so if this is coming from a guy that's worked with him for the past handful of years knows how to communicate with him I think the changes can be best implemented like that 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you feel, because we have, I mean, there's not really much news here. Ramiro says this, but again, this whole idea of keeping the band back together and all that sort of thing. Do you think that this bodes well, or maybe doesn't even have an effect either way with T Higgins potentially standing? I mean, I know the Bengals kind of are in the driver's seat a little bit with that because of the, the franchise tag situation, but does this, and I think T wants to stay here long-term. The numbers just have to work. The Bengals have to make it work. I think all of that is is there, but I mean, do you think that the hiring of someone familiar to the offense and kind of saying, Hey, we're not going to completely reinvent the wheel on this thing here. We know it works. We know it works well, especially when guys are healthy. So pitcher being back in the fold, do you think that that has any bearing whatsoever positively with, with Higgins coming back or are we just, I mean, and I'm kind of in this camp at this point, uh, is this just business decisions ruling the realm? (laughs) as it goes with with number five here yeah i mean like the business will obviously take a lot of precedent with this but i think if you want to make that case the fact that the offense the base of the offense is like the language and everything in that in that sense like that's mainly going to stay the same like obviously offenses tweak every single year right but like just having the continuity and the familiar the familiarity with the scheme i think that can factor into higgins wanting to stay or continuing to want to stay here knowing that you know his role um, is, is only going to be what he's comfortable with and only going to be what he's known for the past few years. That's that's obviously the selling point for getting a, a star player like him to re-sign and, and come back, um, maybe for even less money because the, of the familiarity 
of where he's been. So I think the fact that, you know, pitchers taking over the offense now in that, in the sense of being in the offense coordinator, I don't think it hurts in terms of keeping T for sure. Well, that is the big change here. So last year, the Bengals experienced free player, free agency attrition, really at a somewhat big level for the first time in the, especially in the form of safety and tight end last offseason and this offseason is the first year that they are experiencing really any kind of major coaching turnover in the Zach Taylor era so the Bengals had some ups and downs in the responses of the player attrition last year we'll see how they bounce back here but I think this is not only like I said the most but one of the most logical and one of the most predictable outcomes from Brian Callahan leaving for a head coaching position in terms of the promotion of Dan Pitcher but I think um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, this is kind of best case scenario because we've seen this offense operate at a very high level. You mentioned, John, that this group, I, I know everybody says, well, Zach calls the plays and yeah, I mean, he's the guy in the microphone and, but he, as we now know, to varying degrees, he receives a lot of feedback. He received any, and he takes that feedback in to create those play calling decisions. So I, I think, you know, in a lot of different ways, we've seen this offense operate at very, very high levels most of the time since Zach has been here and since Joe Burrow has been here. And so in a lot of different ways, yeah, there's a risk when you kind of hire an unknown guy at, at a new position, a big promotion for him. But I think this is kind of a best case scenario a little bit for the Bengals because of the fact that there are a lot of knowns with pitcher and this group. I think it's a an ideal level of change because I do think that it's a potential positive to have a slightly different message coming from the offensive coordinator position, just for the sake of, of keeping things fresh and not having things completely stale. Cause I think that was the talking point too, just in the middle of the season. Like, is there a need for potential shakeups among the coaching staff, not necessarily with Zach, but some, but some of the assistant positions. Right. And I think pitcher is not the same person, as Brian Callahan, even though they've worked together, obviously he's been had a more personal relationship with both uh, Joe Burrow and Jake Browning, and and you know having those meetings in the in the quarterback meeting room and everything like that, along with having responsibilities on game days. So I, I think it's a good balance of keeping things. That, it's literally the it's literally the the, uh, the title of our podcast, right? The more things change, the more things stay the same, right? It's a good <laughs> level yeah. of keeping things in terms of continuity, while also having a slightly new, fresh perspective from that position. And we'll see if the offense does take those changes. But I, I will say though, and Jake L- Jake. Lisco brought this up on Twitter from the Lock on Bengals podcast. It's interesting how, like, obviously, Dan Pitcher has a good chance of leveraging this promotion into becoming a head coach, even if he isn't calling the plays because that's what everyone cares about. And apparently, that's the main qualification to becoming a head coach for some reason. But I will say, though, he did an interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job last year for their offense coordinator. And their offense coordinator, um, his name is escaping me at this point, just got hired to be the Carolina Panthers head coach after just one year on that job. So obviously, like he, if he would have taken another offensive coordinator position, it just would have taken potentially one good year with a quarterback that people may not have a ton of confidence in, in order to get to the, the highest point in the profession. So you know, Dan Pitcher is at the end of the day taking a risk on himself and betting on himself in order to maximize uh, this this position. But don't think for one second that if he were if he would have you know potentially taken another job that he would have never been a head coach in the first place. Like these things. Can, can happen at an instant moment at uh, on an instant Ugh. dave canales is that the name yes. that, that uh, you're thinking of yeah so he is the new head coach of the carolina panthers and this is the way the league's trending 
And, you know, I mean, it's, it's worked out for some teams in terms of young offensive minded kind of first time guys, Zach Taylor being one of them, other coaches, not so much around the league. You know, there's the, the Kingsbury's and, and others that have, you know, come and gone that have had some levels of success and then uh, faded away here. But regardless that is the news as it goes with offensive coordinators and head coaching jobs around the league and with the Cincinnati Bengals. Callahan is now the Titans head coach and pitcher, the Bengals' new offensive coordinator in his stead. The Bengals last week, uh, we, we talked about some rookies that that interested us, um, and we're going to take some deeper dive looks at some things. We kind of went through a list and then talked about some of these guys, some of the stats, and why they intrigue us. We're going to do more of the same here but on the free agency side in just a second we're going to have a list of some just some names again there's going to be plenty more that we look at and and maybe none of these guys end up being a bangle but these are names that i think for a variety of reasons make a lot of sense last week we also talked about the biggest positions of need going into this year we talked about interior defensive line namely uh you know a, a pass rushing three three tech type of type of defensive tackle even a nose tackle type of thing um, you know, that position based on reader's injury and whatnot, that becomes an issue. You got to find more pass rushers, maybe running back, figure out what's happening with T. Higgins wide receiver. These are all areas that are popping up for the Bengals this offseason, and they need to figure a lot of things out. So we're going to talk some free agency in just a minute. Just want to remind folks, again, you can get this show and all of the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel on that ch- audio channel name, Cincy Jungle and you get this show talking football with uh, Bengal Jim and friends, as well as Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with the Coach Matt Minnick and Three and Out with Jason and Kevin. If you like what we do on the YouTube side, you're a visual person. If you are a visual person, not only do, can you give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page and join a ton of people there. And of course, we've got uh, a YouTube channel for you to subscribe to. You can click the show icon underneath that Cincy Jungle icon on our screen there, bottom right corner at least my right, I don't know, maybe your left, whatever. But uh, bottom right side, you can click that, click the subscribe button, click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. And then, of course, thumbs up the video if you like what we're throwing at you. We're working on some special guests coming up here for Super Bowl week and all kinds of different things. We are also working, John Sheeran, on potentially getting some folks um, from our podcast channels and Cincy Jungle over to the Combine and getting some exclusive coverage over straight from the combine. So uh, we're, we're working on getting some credentials there. So that's, that's kind of cool. And we'll, we'll continue to keep you updated on that. And of course, aside from keeping it to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, and podcasts, go check out what John's doing over at A to Z sports covering the AFC North and the Cincinnati Bengals. He told me right before we took the air, just how busy he is because he is cranking out material over there. John Sheeran, the busiest man on the planet. Uh, let's move on. Oh, yes, you are. Don't shake your head. Yes, you are. Uh, let's move on here, John. Again, arbitrary list here, but again, some positions of need. Some of these are low-hanging fruit. Some of these are guys that, you know, may or may not be attainable. The Bengals have about, what what did we say last week, about $70 million so far in, in cap space that they've got to, that they've got for this upcoming year estimated and they've got a lot of impending free agents that could eat up some salary cap space pretty quickly too. But these are some names here. And of course this is predicated John on 
what happens with T Higgins, what happens with DJ reader, what happens with some of these guys, you know, what happens at corner, but here are some of the names here that I found and we found kind of intriguing. And you and I have talked about a couple of these guys already. And one of the tops here, and he may or may not be attainable. And I kind of take the road of, man, let's do the Orlando Brown thing. Let's take, let's take a quality player from a big rival, plug him on our team and you got to face him. And that is Justin Matabike who is having a whale of a season. And I think you wrote, did you not write about him uh, in a free agency piece recently, John? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 13 sacks so far. uh, Well, in the regular season, 13 sacks, one forced fumble, six, three, about three Oh five. He is uh, gosh, 1997. So he's, yeah, he's, he'll be what? 27 midway through the season next year. So a guy that I think brings a, a lot of value of and and man, what did we say? 60 or 70 sacks, I think, that the Ravens amassed this year as a defense. The Bengals need pass rush. You need to bring Lamar Jackson to the ground. You need to bring Kenny Pickett to the ground or whoever the hell else they're going to have under center there at Pittsburgh. You need to bring Deshaun Watson and, I don't know, maybe Joe Flacco down to the ground often, and you need to do it frequently. And pressure, pressure, pressure. And this is a guy, when we talk about interior pressure, when we talk about – getting help on the interior of of the defensive line. I think this is a a major, major player that the Bengals should be looking at here. Maybe he gets the tag or whatnot here with with Baltimore, but an intriguing player nonetheless. And I know you wrote about him recently. Yeah, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes. Um, He's going to be 26 next year. He had his best season in this past year, which is very similar to the Trey Hendrickson arc, right, where he was a solid player for a few years, very good in the rotation, and then he just started to really ascend um, really at the right time for his career in order to make the most money. So uh, to, to, to me, it seems like defensive tackle feels like the position where they take the biggest swing. They've taken one in the past with DJ Reader. DJ Reader could be that swing again in order to re-sign him, but if not, they have too many question marks to enter the draft with doing nothing there. So... I don't know if that means going out and getting a Matabuke, going out and getting like two or three solid vets to just kind of fill the position room. But Matabuke just makes a ton of sense for being that like big fish that the Bengals go after. Obviously, price factors into this. I know PFF has projected him to get $23 million a year, which is the going rate for these elite defensive tackles now. That might be too rich for the Bengals' blood. But speaking of Orlando Brown, like the whole reason why that happened is because Brown's market either became saturated or it didn't materialize the way that he that he wanted it to, which is why the Bengals became in play, because it was a price that they found to be reasonable. Um, if that doesn't happen with Matabuke, um, the likelihood of it obviously diminishes. But stealing, like you said, stealing him from their, you know, their best division rival in the prime of his career, it makes too much sense, obviously. I Here's why I love this player for the Bengals specifically every single. So he's been in the league since 2020 and every single year with the Ravens, as you look year to year across the board, uh, Ascension statistically. Uh, So a sack is a rookie two sacks. The next year, 5.5 last year, 13 this year, uh, 19 tackles is a rookie 36. The next year, 42, the following year, 56 this year, right? Tackles for loss. Two is a rookie, seven and 21, eight and 22, 12 this year. Quarterback hits. This stat, to me, 
is insane, John. Two in 2020, five in 21, nine last year. Do you know how many he had this year? Quarterback hits? 30? 33. 33. Wow. Yeah, that is that is crazy, uh, especially when you look at the production across the board. So for me, when you look at, I mean, almost every major statistical category is just improvement, 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 shows the player that is growth and hitting his prime so I really like him. I, that was one that I really wanted to hit on uh, extensively. You know, Pittman Jr. It, to me, it's kind of like, well, it, why do you pay? Why do you pay Pittman and not T. Higgins type of thing? It's more of like, well, if the T. Higgins thing just completely blows up, this is a nice pivot here because you got you got the size, you got the speed, you got a lot of the things that Pittman does that T. Higgins does catch radius, etc. Pittman does a little bit more of the screen game type of stuff than T Higgins does, but uh, I really like Michael Pittman coming out in the draft. He went, what, one pick after T Higgins? So there's a lot of similarities there. That's more of a pivot if you can't get things done with T and, and he's not even here for a franchise tag type of stuff and Pittman himself doesn't get tagged, that may be an option for you. A lot of people talking about Patriots offensive lineman Mike on, on Wenu. Uh, and then a couple of tight ends here. Dalton Schultz had a great year. For the Texans, that was a guy I was hoping the Bengals would look at this last year because I think he signed, what, a one-year deal with the Texans, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, leaving the Cowboys. Hunter Henry, kind of a touchdown machine, red zone weapon type of guy. Maybe that's what they look for a, a little bit and is not going to command maybe as much money as a Dalton Schultz. Uh, Eckler was a name that was kind of connected to the Bengals, I believe, last year when he was kind of – was he franchise tag last year or something? Um, he was a guy that was, you know, some people thought he was maybe going to be a trade option for the Bengals. Maybe he becomes a guy just to kind of give him that sizzle. My worry with him, a lot of touches the last couple of years, a lot of wear and tear there. But, man, what a versatile weapon, a touchdown machine. And then um, Rankins was a guy that the Bengals had interested in and were really close to signing, I think, two years ago, going into 21 before they ended up going with Larry Ogunjobi. The, the Jets swooped in and grab Rankins. Well, now here we are two, three years later, uh, you know, still an effective player. He had, he had a big game against the Bengals specifically this year, but you know, here we are two, three years later, as opposed to when they initially pursued him, what's, what's the effectiveness there. And then a de versatile defensive lineman, Daquan Jones, oddly enough, as I looked a little bit more into him, PFF had him similarly compared to Mike Daniels when he entered free agency a couple of years ago and the Bengals picked him up. So I kind of was like, hmm, maybe that's something that makes a little bit of sense because he has moved along the defensive line doing different things in his career. So heavy on the defensive line as this watch list. Of course, there are many, 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 many others. Um, uh, but a couple of a few names here that I think could be not only somewhat affordable when you look at some of these names, others not. But I, I think positionally, some of these make sense. And there could be some options for the Bengals here that they that they could pursue well I mean these are definitely players that fit their biggest needs and that's where you need to uh, attack the biggest needs would be in free agency something something to obviously keep in mind is age here um, I, I know a lot of these guys are pretty close to if not over the age of 30 um, it's typically where the Bengals steer clear of but for those one-year deals um, for a guy like Sheldon Rankins maybe who's you know, about to be 30 years old and he might not mm -hmm. have the market that he would desire. Um, having the Bengals had past interest in him, um, they clearly like what he's 
what his scouting report was, and he's clearly been a, a very good player for the Texans defense. Like I'm, I'm sure there's going to be interest there. Uh, Hunter Henry specifically, I was told that uh, the Bengals did reach out to the Patriots around the trade deadline to, to inquire mm. about Henry's availability. Obviously, nothing happened with that, um, and obviously the Bengals didn't do anything at the trade deadline. But there's a, there was at least uh, reportedly, or, um, you know, there, there's rumored to be some interest there. Obviously, mm. tight end is going to be just a position that they have to, if not completely redo, like half the half of that room is going to be different uh, can, because all all their guys are free agents and they just need better production yep. there. And again, it's 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 a tough position to just enter the draft absolutely needing, especially if you're not con- confirmed to get this year's top guy in, in Brock Bowers. So yes, like the defensive line, tight end, maybe running back, depending on what happens with Joe Mixon, um, they're, they're going to be positions that they definitely need to address with some veterans. You hit on it here, and this is how the Bengals approach free agency, and they've openly said this. Free agency is a, a need-based game for them. They go they go into free agency, and they attack the, the roster holes, the needs. They do like to re-sign their own, but in recent years, especially under Zach Taylor, they have gone further into outside free agency to help themselves and, and remedy losses or remedy roster holes that have existed even into last season. So free agency is a need game for the Bengals. The draft, that's why sometimes people are like, oh, you know, we need a corner. We need, and the Bengals need this. And then, and then they go completely different areas positionally because they feel that they have addressed the needs in free agency and they're going more best player available in the draft. That is kind of their focus. That's what they've, and they've kind of openly said that. So this, again, as you look at the positions here, the needs are, you know, pretty prevalent on this list. And of course, as I mentioned, this is not something that is set in stone or anything like that. But, you know, I think these are players that address a lot of things that they need. Good to know about the Henry uh, trade deadline news there. I mean, you look at Dalton Schultz this year, arguably his second best season as a pro uh, tied for the second most touchdown receptions in his career with five second most receiving yards in his career with 635 and the third most receptions in his career with 59 and a great, great year for the Texans and a solid one for Schultz there. A guy, you know, a guy I think that could fill a lot of, fill a lot of need for the Bengals. And then as you look at Hunter Henry here, let's take a look at some of his touchdowns and what he, he has done over the past couple of years I mean, again, you go into this, I mean, eight eight touchdowns as a rookie with the Chargers, the then San Diego Chargers. Then he had four, and then five, four, nine in 21, nine touchdowns on, on 50 catches in 21, only two touchdowns last year in 22, but six this year. So a guy who just knows how to get into the end zone, which is what the Bengals need and uh, need a little bit more of out of that position group. Another thing to to remember, and I think Henry kind of qualifies him to this, um, because he's been in the league for a minute, um, the, the the aspect of value is still very important with the Bengals. And I think that's more of what we need to remember uh, other than just age. Because I think age factors into a player being, I, I guess, past the best days of his career. And if that player still commands like a, a pretty good price on the open market, that's going to be an area where the Bengals may steer clear of that. I think their most successful free agent signings 
over the past three years when they've been active have been guys who are ascending and aren't necessarily at the top of the market price for their respective positions, primarily because they haven't officially announced themselves in, in their primes. And we've seen their primes kind of play out in Cincinnati, and that's where you get the most bang for your buck, and that's how your roster can be filled out in the most efficient way possible. And I don't think now, you know, like Joe Burrow's cap hit is not necessarily going to be ballooning to the, the areas or the levels where it's going to be in the next few years, but it's going to be up there. Like they're as this iteration of the team progresses, that mindset needs to persist in order for them to enter the season with as few holes as possible. And that will, I think involve the same exact free agency processes that they've had for the past couple of years. So with those big names, when they're going off the board in like the first day or two for the biggest contracts, like, yes, like on paper, they would help out the Bengals. I think if they have another year or two to give in terms of just being at their best, but it's still going to be, I think for them guys in their mid to maybe late twenties who have their best football ahead of them, at least in their, in their minds and just trying to maximize the most value possible. And some of these names do fit that for sure. And there's going to be a lot more, especially, you know, once, you know, cap casualties happen and guys who aren't expected to be on the open market end up there. And that's another opportunity for the Bengals to kind of take advantage. So, a lot of weeks in between now and free agency when this happens, but I think some things are, are still going to be the same for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you mentioned the age thing. That is definitely something that rings true. The Bengals try and stay away from guys on the, the wrong side to towards or after 30. That is for sure. Um, it, it's As you look at this list here, you know, the first couple of guys are, you know, on the younger side of things, mid-20s type of thing. And then obviously the age kind of increases as you go down some of the list here. I want to say this with Henry, as you mentioned, you know, he's kind of up there in age. He's 29, maybe going to be 30 here in a little bit. That was about the age, right around a similar age, when they signed Hayden Hurst on a Mm one-year deal. So I think as you look at some of these guys who, yeah, I mean, they don't like to go north of 30 a lot of times in free agency, but those are for the bigger deals. I think there are some rental deals potentially in place here. And as you mentioned, maybe as markets get saturated, some of these position groups and or guys overvalue themselves as they enter free agency. That's where the Bengals could potentially swoop in for some of these guys, even if the age isn't ideal for them, but you can get a year or two of usage out of them and effectiveness out of them. I think that's probably where they may look to strike. So I, I think, yes, you have a very, very good point, and it is something that will be watched, and, and I'm sure the trend will continue in terms of you know the, the big contracts that dole out are not going to be to 29, 30, 31-year-old players, but there are some rental deals out there for players in that age group that they could – you know, field and, and bring in for, you know, an effective year or two. For sure. For sure. And, and, and like those deals have been a part of, of their process. Um, again, just trying to find either guys looking to reestablish themselves on the market a year later, or potentially just guys who want to play with the team and want to have a chance at competing for a championship. And that's going to be, it's going to continue to be like their, their, their pitch and their sales pitch for, as long as I think Joe Burrow is here, obviously it doesn't work as well when you miss the playoffs, even if you do end up with a winning record. But I think veterans out there still recognize the the stability of this, of this team and the competitiveness. And obviously, you know, they've had a recent history of success in that regard. So it it definitely helps when you're competing against other teams, looking for these, for these same names and, and trying to be in that same market of one year deals. So a lot of interesting names here though. 
there are a lot of interesting names here and it's going to depend also what happens with Jonah Williams, what happens with T Higgins, what happens with DJ reader, a lot of guys that the Bengals have in house that they need to sort things out because if they're able to retain those guys, okay, that knocks the need off that list that knocks that positional need off that list. Let's maybe swing for a fence on a Matt BK or, you know, someone like that where uh, if they, if they do become available, they can, they can strike there. So some of the names there, there are many, many others, and we're going to do some more in-depth rookie profiles and in-depth free agency profiles in the days and weeks ahead, but wanted to kind of give a little short list, much like we did last week with rookies to kind of say, Hey, these are some of the guys we should, we should think about. Maybe none of them end up on the Bengals. Maybe one or a couple end up on the Bengals. We will see, but the Bengals, need to restock the cabinets as they say a little bit this year and of course need to rely on improved health at critical positions to get back to where they've been the the, the prior couple of years that is going to start wrapping things up for us let's drop the mic and get out of here john what do you have for us on this january afternoon my friend just just a simple message man um i hope everyone has fun watching these conference championships, whoever you decide to root for, or even if you're not rooting for, for anyone in particular, uh, no judgment here. Although that's not, it's not the case in other areas of, of the internet. <laughs> like on a certain social media platform. <laughs> nah. we're, we're all adults here. At least we should be, you know, we don't have to judge what people like to do in their free time and who they like to root for outside of the team that they've been associated with for, 20 years we're all we're all adults here wait you'd like to think sometimes sometimes that gets lost in translation (laughs) but yes uh i you know i've got a tough time actually on the other side of the coin on the nfc side because i got a soft spot for those lions they remind me uh, in their futility of the Bengals. i've got a soft spot for them but i've also got a close friend who is a big 49ers guy and he's kind of sort of been supportive of the Bengals. So I'm kind of like, well, hey, if the Niners get there again. Um, and then at least I think if we're, I mean, I, I don't know. I would think we want whatever NFC team to probably be whatever AFC team makes it there. I think that's probably a consensus if you're following the Bengals and whatnot. But hey, I mean, I, I you know, as for going after people that you're for rooting for a team or I don't know, that's just bizarre to me. I mean, good Lord. Uh, I, I try and stay out of the fray, John. I try and stay out of it. That's not my, it's not my wheelhouse, my friend. But thank you for uh, everything that you do. It, it, you know, I always say A to Z Sports. Talk to us just a minute about what you're doing at A to Z Sports. What do you have on tap? What's going on? I know you've got a lot of different stuff you're doing there. Um, I did get in touch with, uh, gosh, who was it? Jimmy. Uh, I, it was one of the guys we had on from A to Z to help us preview the Titans game. He was asking about Brian Callahan. Sam. So I shot him a couple of. Sam. Yes, maybe it was Sam. Um, anyway, so tell us what's going on at A to Z. Well, Sam specifically has been really busy because, you know, the Titans hired a new head coach that we're all kind of familiar with. So it's been a, it's been a good couple of days for, uh, for the site, uh, for considering that it's a, it is a uh, Titans or like a Tennessee-based website at its inception. But obviously we have a full staff of NFL writers who are busy Busy at work covering the playoffs and covering all these hirings and firings and rumors, and it's going to be busy, obviously, when the combine and for agency and the draft comes around. So, wheels are definitely turning there at A to Z, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, you do great work. Keep it up. 
So go check out what they are doing at A to Z Sports. Keep it to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, and everything on the Cincinnati Bengals. And your podcast, like I said, go get the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We are on all of the major ones. Go check out that channel with our show and a plethora of other great ones. And, of course, if you like the video side of what we do here, again, go subscribe to our YouTube channel below and give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, John, for being patient with the scheduling and all kinds of different things, my man. We'll be back with a lot more coming up here. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be back to chat about those and a lot of other stuff as it pertains to the Bengals. Take care, everybody. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.